topic of what to invest in now, the protocols that support the adoption of blockchain apps or the apps that drive adoption of the blockchain. In other words, if this were 1920s, should you invest in cars or roads and gas stations? I'm here with my friend Marissa Kim from ARK Advisors. Marissa and I share a passion for this topic, and in this conversation, we're going to share why it's important and new ways to think about it, which you can apply to any company you're considering for investment. So welcome, Marissa. Thank you, Monica. It's good to have you here. I'm excited to be here. Uh, our first podcast. Our first podcast. Yeah, yes, it is. Um, so that's exciting. Both of us are, are new at this. Really excited to share kind of the knowledge of what's going on in the industry, um, what investors should really be thinking about, and especially, you know, just given the momentum from last year to this year, what is going to be exciting to investors going forward and what we think about will be changing. The last year was really driven a lot by hype, and there was a lot of money pouring into the space. So I think it was about $5 billion that went in to ICOs last year, which is way, it's a lot more than early stage capital that went in through VCs. So a lot of retail investors were kind of getting excited about the space and buying different altcoins. A lot of those projects were very, very early stage. A lot of them were um, white paper only and a team and no product. So a lot of um, kind of speculation. And I think that going forward, it's going to be, it's going to shift into a kind of a more mature market where um, teams will be a little farther along and start having at least a prototype um, before they go out to uh, retail investors. So my hope is that, um, you know, I think we're still in the, the infrastructure phase of wallets, exchanges, and things that make it easier to buy and hold cryptocurrency. And then, you know, it seems like there was a big trend, you know, during the last couple of years, even when ICOs were just getting started, that there were a ton of retail investors and it really, the promise was, you know, let's shake up or even to some extent replace VCs altogether and VCs are going to die. And we have this new ecosystem that's called the initial coin offering. Mm -hmm. And to a large extent, you know, everyone was kind of going, you know, down the theme of let's tokenize everything, including assets and security tokens, which now we're kind of seeing today. But if we step back, what has kind of changed in that dynamic landscape? Because we were seeing, you know, the shift from, you know, early investors just being real people, mm -hmm. you know, not the traditional VCs. Yeah. Then we saw a shift to, you know, VCs really leading those ICOs. Yeah. And they were like very large scale ICOs, a hundred, you know, million plus that, you know, if you didn't have like a Sequoia or an Andreessen, or, you know, one of the larger Asian investors behind you, then you weren't taken as seriously. And the costs have gone up dramatically, right? We've mm -hmm. seen um, the cost to actually even participate in an ICO as uh, a project have become significant from development to marketing, um, and then also legal support and infrastructure. Mm -hmm. And then now I think today we're in a place where, you know, everyone's kind of clawing back. So what do you think you know, investors should look out for when they're looking for projects to invest in? And how do you think the landscape is going to evolve? Like, does, is everyone pulling out and, you know, there's going to be no investment and we're going back to the status quo? So like, literally, um, how, you know, projects and startups got investment before? Is that what we're looking at? Or is it a cool down and the ICO market is here to stay? And that's how projects are going to be uh, funded in the future. So what's, what is that? What, so think, what have you seen? I think that there was a promise of kind of the democratization of 
um, investing, which was kind of the first wave of ICOs, where it was like, you don't have to be a VC sitting in Silicon Valley in order to have access to um, early stage deals and projects, and it'll be open to people all over the world. And the first ICOs that I worked on, a lot of the check sizes were like $300, and they were from Eastern Europe and the Philippines and all of these places where, um, you know, these people don't get access to the deals that we see living here. Um, but I think, you know, the kind of negative is that a lot of those people don't have the the tools to kind of do proper diligence on the projects, the things that um, VCs really do have the tools to do. And that's, you know, they have, they have kind of a knowledge base of the market. They usually have a process in terms of looking at these deals and vetting them. That is a filtering process. And so I think that there's a lot of value in that. And I think what you're saying now is those VCs are kind of serving that initial um, de-risking and vetting process, which is really what they should be doing. And once they sign off and kind of um, put their money in, then retail investors can come in later. And so I hope that the, the ICO market will kind of evolve to look more like that, where you know retail investors have access, but they're not forced to kind of do the initial betting. So you see still the established players and VCs yeah. being the gatekeepers, if you will, to capital. They are. Yeah. And I think, you know, in the last year was really about these big crypto funds like Alphabet and, you know, there's a lot of them kind of throwing a lot of money around the space, but now traditional Silicon Valley VCs are starting to invest as well. Um, usually equity, um, not tokens or security tokens, but they're definitely getting in the game. So you think now is the time for entrepreneurs to kind of reassess their token plans and go more towards a traditional fundraising path with equity? Or do you think, like, what's your kind of thesis on where the market's heading? Because, you know, now we have security tokens too, which for those of you that don't know, it's basically tokenizing your assets in one way or another as a company. Yeah, exactly. So security tokens are, you know, there's all kinds of different security tokens, but one kind is really just tokenized equity. So um, you'll hear that term a lot. And that really is, it's just digital equity that you can program any rights into and, um, you know, any transfer rights or lockups or anything. Um, So what what I'm seeing people doing is kind of doing a initial fundraise from traditional VCs and delaying their token sale plans. And I think part of that is being driven by the, sh- the evolution of the market, but also the market is very soft. So it's a lot harder to kind of go out and do any sort of, you know, consumer retail Public token raise. sale. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's just, it's just, there's just not a lot of capital there, but the traditional VCs do have, they do have capital. So, you know, right now in this landscape, you foresee kind of the, the main ways and drivers of capital to be through traditional VCs in, in an equity format or potentially security tokens. Yeah. And is there value um, in and above building a security token ecosystem versus doing a traditional uh, token raise? You know, everyone's kind of shifting into this, into security tokens just because they're actually, you can do a lot with them and people are clear on what rights they have. Um, you know, they're usually they can have all the, the um, rights that traditional equity would have. And that's very appealing to investors. So in a softer market, you kind of have to shift to, you know, investors have more leverage. So you kind of have to give them um, a better deal. Yeah, almost. a better deal. And, you know, people, <laughs> utility tokens really are, I think, mostly a thing of the past. And I think there will be companies that have existing businesses, you know, that are later stage that could maybe um, issue a, a utility token where you could actually use it, you know, in the current product that they have live. But other than that, I think everything is going to be security token or traditional equity. Or traditional yeah. equity. Mm-hmm. So you first see kind of the, the ICO market landscape really traditionally 
kind of being like, that's not where investors are focusing on right now. So if you are an entrepreneur doing a traditional raise or security token raise, if your established company seems to be the way to go. Yeah, I think, you know, because the market's cooled down, a lot of the investors are saying, if I'm investing in a kind of an innovative business model, and I have to think about this financial engineering piece, which is like, security tokens, what is it? What rights does it have? How do I trade it? Like, where do I trade it? All of these questions that in a year from now will be answered. And I, I don't think we'll have a distinction between, di- you know, digital equity and real equity. Like, I think it'll all move that way. Maybe not in a year, but in a couple of years. But right now, I think investors are looking for, you know, there's kind of a flight to quality and, and to things that they've seen before. And so why do you think that shift happened? Because there was such fervor around the ICO mm-hmm. models in general. It was like tokenize everything. And, you know, this is the way yeah. future of the future. And, you know, people can raise just having an idea, basically. Yeah. Um, kind of like the early days of the dot com. You know, people yeah. would just put a dot com at the end of the name. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden they were like this really interesting project. And we're seeing that yeah. happen with blockchain. Oh, yeah. put blockchain in the name or token. Yeah. And all of a sudden you become this, you know, really profitable company overnight um, in investors' eyes, but we're seeing that shift back uh, quite a bit. So for entrepreneurs that I talk to um, a lot and also being it myself, it seems to be a really tough uh, um, plane to navigate because there's so many considerations, right? There's a technology consideration piece, there's raising money and uh, investors. um, And then there's also just understanding, like, I want to be involved and have a decentralized platform and um, really, really onboard people into this, these new technologies and ecosystem. How are we going to do a good job of doing that to the masses when, you know, everything with, from a regulation standpoint is certainly just changing overnight? Yeah, I think that's part of the problem. I think the last year was really driven by, um, you know, all these people who had put money into Bitcoin and ETH super early and then all of the gains that they made, at least on paper. So they wanted to diversify their portfolio and they were just throwing money into all these different ICOs, but usually without even kind of knowing what they were about. And like if their friends were throwing money into it, they would throw some money in too. So that kind of that party has stopped. And um, so I think there's there's less um, activity with those kind of early angel investors. And then, um, you know, it's, I think it is when it, when you have a new technology in a space that's really at the very at its infancy and it's um, developing, it's hard to kind of because it's rapidly shifting all the time. It's hard to kind of like go out there and raise 50 million dollars for a project, which then you may have to pivot because of regulation or because there's something that's changing in the tech or something about the way that it's being adopted um, in a couple months time. So I think we're just so early that it's it's smarter to kind of go out and raise a seed amount that will allow you to kind of build a prototype, just like, you know, any startup ecosystem. Traditional. And then like react to these changes, which for sure will be happening um, over time. And how, how do you foresee us getting to the point where we have you know, millions of users using these technologies every day, or, you know, even from an investment side, um, you know, more the traditional investors who really haven't taken a look at tokens or token type projects, um, even something kind of crypto or blockchain related in scope or digital, you know, has a digital swing to it, digital money swing to it. How do we get them to really understand and focus in on that these technologies are here to stay and that this, this ecosystem is evolving but it is surely new. Yeah. So take those risks early on. How do we 
um, what, what's the goal there? How do we get more of those people in, invested and excited about what we're doing? I think two things, like one is uh, education and which I know you're really passionate about too. And then um, just making tools that are that make it easier to buy and hold these tokens. So I recently did a syndicate for um, like, we do a bunch of sin- investment syndicates and I was instructing people how to set up their ERC 20 wallet. And it's so complicated, even for me who works in this space, like, going to my Ether wallet, going through all the different steps, making sure the tokens are there. And then once they're there, how do I move them around? What do I do? Where are they traded? So there's, it's really hard to, to use any of these tokens or to, you know, beyond the kind of the top, you know, 10 that are on most exchanges. Um, and so I know like with Hilo, you guys are really focused on kind of getting people up to speed on what these things are and, and how to use them and how to trade them. And I think that's necessary before like the average person kind of comes into the space because it's yeah. very intimidating. It's super intimidating. Yeah. I think even, even people in the tech space, you know, I'm, I'm talking to people who've been yeah. in tech for years, you yeah. know, in robotics and AI yeah. and all these different ecosystems. And they're quite frankly, really excited about building using blockchain. Yeah. Um, and I think there's some really great use cases in blockchain that, you know, will, change like and and evolve the ecosystem and just the fact that it's a global marketplace it's 24 7 traded um is really exciting we've never seen this before it truly is the new economy than the internet of money but you know we have to do a better job as a community of just understanding and helping entrepreneurs and investors really see the light because they want to and i think that's been my thesis all along is like people really want to get involved yeah they just don't know how. And even from a project perspective, okay, I want to use a token and build on a blockchain. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? What are the steps I have to do to do that? And from an investment standpoint, right? How can I participate early on, on some of the projects that will help build this economy? Um, so how do you, uh, I know you work with investors all the time, day in and day out. Uh, how do you, uh, work with investors and, uh, facilitate the projects that you're interested in like what what should investors look for what do you what would you say in terms of kind of education investor education whether it's traditional investors or it's retail investors a lot of times there's kind of like a baseline education so I recommend a lot of books like and some of the books are more you know more or less kind of like basic in terms of their knowledge or their how user-friendly they are. The Internet of Money, which I know you've read, I send that book to almost everyone. <laughs> Love that book. Shout out, on the Andreas. Payroll. I should be on the, on the yeah. payroll for that. But so it's kind of, you know, and just doing like an event where there's like thought leadership and people are kind of taking it down and explaining. Because I think there's a lot of tech speak and I think it's about translating that into like the language that the, most people who don't have a technology background would understand. And that's the only way that people are going to get, get excited about this. Well, I mean, that's the same thing. I, I kind of, when I started, you know, I was like, gosh, this is so crazy. I just need to go down the rabbit hole. Yeah. And, you know, it was a lot of like listening to podcasts like this, yep. um, you know, reading, you know, different books, mm-hmm. the internet of money, um, digital money, digital gold. Uh, I think there was mastering Ethereum, mastering Bitcoin. And at some point I had, um, you know, this, you know, just like kind of a teaser or how to get into Bitcoin primer that I would send out and it was an email. And of course, like I was updating it, you know, 
extraordinarily rapidly because things are changing so fast and inevitably people have so many questions about different things and different parts so it's like where do you go for that information and you really have to just ask around and we're lucky that we live in a place where there's lots of people that have a lot of knowledge but if you live outside that those kind of core cities where people are talking about this stuff you there's no like centralized place to go no centralized place to go so it's like where do you where do you what do you do as a new new user and when I started you know figuring out, you know, the, the bits and pieces and nuts and bolts that we wanted to build for Hilo, it was very much like, okay, you know, these are the questions that we're asking ourselves over and over. What can we do better as a community to facilitate, yeah. like, you know, just more engagement, more learning, you know, just, you know, interacting with your friends and having those friends that already are in it to yeah. help guide the way. Yeah. And I think that was really important early on was, you know, I met, you know, some of my investors and advisors early on and they really helped catapult like my knowledge and my expertise in the industry like no one other but we, we don't all have access to that right sometimes people are like what crypto conferences should i go to and i always tell them that's not a great place to learn because unfortunately most of them are around like vendors and pit, you know ico pitches and so they don't tend to be the most informative it's like there needs to be like a blockchain 101 you know conference yeah. that's like all right everyone else who's not in crypto yeah. this will be actually interesting and we can tease apart what you want to know now and and i think that there's also a lot of misconceptions in the ecosystem that people you know, have or bring up all the time. For instance, um, you know, I I sent a link for Hilo to a friend of mine who's in Chile and she has no, absolutely no idea about blockchain, but she's interested in it. And, you know, one of the questions she asked me early on was, Hey, you know, what's the difference between Bitcoin and cryptocurrency? Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, that's just even knowing some of those, the, the the basic terms and the lingo and to deconstruct that, right. One is like hodl. And that means, basically another term for hold. And if you weren't in the industry, you're like, why is everybody saying huddle all the time? In fact, I think I said that when I first learned it. Um, So those can be kind of nascent and like, you know, things that you need to kind of deconstruct for your friends early on. And I think it's still, I I took a look at some of the the articles online and the number one article for Bitcoin is what is Bitcoin still? (laughs) (laughs) So that'll give you an idea of like, we're still so early on and people still have those questions and we forget too. So it's like, we forget that, you know, we're quote unquote experts in technology and in Bitcoin and and this ecosystem. We totally forget that people don't know the differences. So I think it's even just kind of taking a step back and, and helping people, you know, generally guide them through that and like, Hey, it's okay. Um, it's not something to be scared of. It's something to be, um, you know, to accept as kind of the new domain. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, at every, you know, place in history where you have new technologies form, it can be very scary and there's a lot of resistance up front. Yeah. I think also this space in general is very, there's a lot of kind of uh, fear mongering out there and, you know, some of it's by um, like entrenched players that have a reason to be threatened like banks. And sometimes it's from, you know, the government and there's a lot of, um, you know, the SEC is just like sending out a lot of subpoenas to people in the space, all kinds of companies, you know, funds that invest in the space. And so I think that that kind of um, just the kind of the hype around the space and the, the fear of like, what will happen if I get a subpoena and like, what is the SEC going to do? What's the regulation that's to come? Nobody kind of knows. Yeah. And let's talk about that. So, you know, I've seen a variety of projects more recently get um, subpoenaed by the SEC or inquiries in by the SEC. Uh, it seems like now they're taking a, a deeper look 
at individuals and investors yeah. and also um, kind of inquiry, uh, inquiring about what they've invested in the past in different projects. Um, and I've even seen some investors that have said, you know what, U.S., we're not going to invest here any longer. Yeah. And those are from investors who are investing in token sales. Mm -hmm. So as U.S. companies look to, you know, do a token sale, you know, are, are we kind of getting lost or left behind in the U.S.? And will that change? Do you see that for changing or? I mean, I think, I think it's unfortunate because the, you know, there's, there's just a lot of fear in how do I kind of comply with the, the securities regulation that's existing and understanding exactly how it's going to be applied. Um, whereas most other countries, some, some of them have um, regulation that really tracks, you know, the same regulation that we have, but in a lot of other places, there's just kind of less regulation. So a lot of the companies that are based here are kind of going overseas and only selling to non-US investors um, or trying to get around um, being regulated. And that's kind of a shame. Um, but we do need clarity. Like we need to have some sort of clarity. And I think the there are a lot of groups out there that are trying to educate the SEC on exactly what cryptocurrency is. And you know, obviously there's all different kinds of tokens. So just educating them on that fact and trying to get some uh, thoughtful regulation versus like heavy-handed regulation. But I do think that the existing framework that we have is not adequate for cryptocurrency. So something needs to change. Yeah, I think, um, you know, it's it was funny because last year we did get such a huge run up. And I think that's what made people pay attention more. Yeah. So it's like, all right, maybe we need that huge run up again <laughs> to switch. Yes. Because, I mean, as, as soon as like the market starts changing and it's not kind of, yeah. quote unquote, a bear market, but it's more, you know, it's a growing market. You, you see that cha those changes happen, right? We yeah. most certainly saw in November of last year you know, exchanges couldn't even handle the demand. Uh, now we're seeing actually a lot more exchanges come online. And now we have decentralized exchanges also, which I think are pretty interesting. Um, but, you know, in terms of like all the regulations, do you foresee the SEC kind of backtracking or do you see that all the innovation is going to go outside of the U.S.? Uh, I think it's really hard to tell because the SEC... You know, there's people that talk to them every day, and I've talked to a lot of people who kind of have their ear and have been really involved in kind of educating them and being, you know, on you know task forces to kind of see what they're going to do. But I think nobody truly knows, and until there's certainty, there's going to be, um, you know, it's going to have a downward pressure on on investment and and kind of innovation in general, or it's going to kind of put the you know, force companies to kind of go outside the U.S. Yeah. Unfortunately. So what advice do you have for entrepreneurs and investors? If you could think of like top three pieces uh, of advice for anybody today yeah. um, from an investment standpoint and then also from an entrepreneur standpoint. I think for entrepreneurs, you know, definitely kind of think through your idea carefully because there is a lot of, you know, once you kind of go down the token sale route, there's a lot of expenses and, you know, a lot of, you know, you should get a good law firm and you should, um, you should hire someone that will give you good tax advice. And then there's a lot of expenses that are involved with kind of doing a token sale that people don't realize. So people kind of think of it as easy money, which it's not. Um, so I definitely think, and I definitely think like, you know, raising and stages and kind of like raising a seed, building a prototype, just kind of, you know, in a, in a thoughtful way that's measured and um, not trying to go out there and travel all over the world and raise $50 million, which is you know, not the best way for an earlier stage company to, um, to launch, I think. And for investors, I think um, just 
doing your homework and, and vetting companies and really looking to what they're doing and trying to get educated on the space in terms of how does a company kind of fit within the ecosystem? What problem are they solving? Um, I think that it's really important to ask, like, is blockchain necessary to whatever problem they're solving? That's something that almost every project I see, they're like, well, it could be on the blockchain. <laughs> does it need to be? Yep. Yeah. And then from an investor standpoint, um, what would you tell investors today? Um, how would they invest in token projects and sales and what, what should they look out for? Just really kind of read about the project. You know, if you have the ability to kind of uh, interview the founder and kind of find out who they are and, um, you know, just really do your diligence in terms of the project and also recognize that like, it's very hard even for VCs to kind of like, they, they diversify their investments. They throw money into a lot of different deals in order to get one that succeeds. So if you're, depending on how much money you're putting in, like it might be better to just kind of throw a little bit of play money into, you know, Bitcoin and ETH and some of the the protocols that are already out there um, where you can just buy and like, you know, either hold them or just kind of trade within what's already out there. The venture style investing is a lot more complicated, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cool. Well, thank you so much. Um, Appreciate having you on. And where can people contact you if they want to reach out? Uh, Marissa at archadvisors.co. All right. Awesome.